0: The Big Fat Mouth series today, yes, it has been a wonderful series. I have felt
1: uh, maybe a little convicted here and there. (laughs) Let me pray, and then we will um, continue on. Father God,
0: I ask that we would have ears to hear every word that you want to say to us today. God, that these words would not just go in our head. And make us feel like oh wow yeah that was really good but then it would get somehow from our head to our heart to our hands and our mouth that um, that the words that we hear would would make a difference a noticeable difference and change in um, our lives and our experiences in Jesus name amen <laughs>
1: Good morning, everybody. All right. uh, My big fat mouth. uh, We're actually going to go a couple more weeks with this. Today we're talking about criticism. Don't you just love to be criticized? Doesn't it just make your heart feel warm when someone criticizes you? Of course. I mean, nobody likes this, but we've all had our fair share. Uh, I did not set out to become a pastor. Some of you don't know that. Uh, I was, uh, had been in professional golf, trying to make it in that arena. When God called my focus from that to this, and that was back in 1990, and it was a pretty odd call, odd timing and all that. Uh, the senior pastor of our local megachurch asked Bonnie and I to take over the reins of a very large young adult ministry back then, one that we ourselves were involved in. I am told that we are no longer young adults that's odd isn't it anyway <laughs> anyway uh, some of you here were involved in that ministry I know that but I took over for a beloved and wonderful pastor and friend that had moved away and I Bonnie and I both were very very passionate about the ministry but I was wildly under trained for that position In one of my first weeks In leading that ministry, learning how to speak and teach the Bible to young adults, one guy came up to me after a service and he said, it's a good thing that most people like you because that was terrible. (laughs) And, you know, I had a pretty good idea that it was terrible, but it sure was nice to hear it. You know, pastors often hear criticism like that uh, fairly often. And I certainly did quite a bit in the years that I served in that, in that megachurch. At, at times, I told Bonnie I felt like a pastor-shaped piñata. <laughs> and I kept a file of rude letters that people sent to me. I, had a, I was accumulating pri- a pretty good-sized file of these things. And I kept them until one day Bonnie just said, throw the, would you throw those away? Just get rid of them all. And, and so I did. But that pastor that I took over for way back then, Uh, remains a very good friend of mine to this very day. And we have over over 20 years now. We've had a standing phone appointment every other Thursday morning where we we talk and we talk personal stuff. We talk ministry. We hold each other accountable to the things that are important to us. I remember talking to him shortly after he planted his church up north. And he said right after one of his first services, um, Todd, you guys may have been there for this. But he said, right after one of those early services, a guy came up to him right after the service, came up and shook his hand, looked at his watch, and says, Looky there. I have just enough time to get to a real church service somewhere else. Criticism. Criticism. Now, today, when I'm talking about criticism, I'm not talking about the type of constructive feedback we give because we've been invited to or because we care about someone and we want to help them become better. What I'm talking about. This morning is the nitpicking unkind uninformed cruel casual criticism that comes so often these days one author put it this way he said there has never been a shortage of people eager to draw up blueprints for running other people's lives now some of you right now are probably smiling your seats gone final yes Thank you, finally. I just need my spouse to hear this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send this link to my boss because he really, really, you're thinking about all the people that really need to hear this. But you remember the title of this series is My Big Fat Mouth. Not their big fat mouth, my big fat mouth. So turn to somebody around you and say, I need to hear, not you need to hear, I need to hear this. Here's why. Um, Like a lot of things, the problem with criticism is that it's really difficult to see in the mirror. In other words, nobody sees themselves as a nitpicky critic. And we hate it when other people criticize us, yet we have no problem. We don't even realize when we're criticizing other people. Why is that? Because so often we feel justified in criticizing. We say, well, you know, if they weren't so weird, if they weren't so stupid... If they didn't spend their money in such an unwise way, I probably wouldn't criticize them. Because after all, I I know it's best for their lives. It's almost like God has a wonderful plan for your life, and so do I. And if you don't live up to my plan, then I will criticize the way you raise your kids, and the way you dress, and what you post on Instagram, and how you drive, and where you go, where you went on your last vacation. Because I know you're in debt. You probably can't afford it. can't afford it. Man, you're quiet today. Am I the only one with this problem? <laughs> Let me show you. I'm going to show you a really, really popular verse in the Bible. If you're not a church person, you probably still have heard this verse before. But the chances are that very few of us that know this verse know what comes right after, right on the heels of it. So I'm going to give you the, the, the well-known part first and then the less, lesser known what comes after. Paul says this to the believers in Galatians, right? so writes this in Galatians chapter 5. The whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Say those words, love your neighbor as yourself. We know that. We love that. Makes us feel great. It's comforting. Love your neighbor as yourself. But then he goes on to say, but if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Yikes. What if, what if for some of you, Your critical words are actually destroying the potential closeness you could have in your marriage. What if? What if your critical words are driving a wall between you and your children? What if your critical words are actually kind of cutting your own knees out from under you and and keeping you from having any good impact with the people around you? Because they can't get over how critical you are about anything and everything. I want to show you uh, something in the Bible that's, that's known as Hebrew parallelism. It's a way of teaching in the Bible, and you'll find it in the book of Proverbs a lot. You'll find it in a lot of the poetry books in the Bible. Um, but they'll say a statement about a subject, and then in the second half of the verse, it'll say almost a complete opposite sort of statement about the very same subject. And it teaches by contrast, and it's, it's done on purpose. Uh, like in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18, here's the first <laughs> side of it. Some people make cutting remarks. Say that with me. Some people make cutting remarks. You know what this is like. You know what this is like. Your grandma says to you, Honey, did you lose your phone? No, grandma, why? Because you haven't called me in two weeks. I could be dead and nobody would even know it. That's also known as a grandma burn, by the way. But some people make cutting remarks. But there's another side to that very same proverb. Some people make cutting remarks, but, but, the words of the wise bring healing. But the words of the wise bring healing. Some people cut and criticize, but other people speak words of wisdom. And those words build up. They don't tear down. They bring healing. Paul, Paul goes on in the book of Ephesians and he says it this way in, in Ephesians 4. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen saying, don't let unhelpful, unwholesome, critical, impure words come out of your mouth. Don't tear other people down. Let the only words you speak be words that are helping for for building others up. And here's what I hope that we'll all come away understanding today. We really have no idea whatsoever how a single word of criticism can pierce someone's soul and stay with them for years and years and years. Now, on the other side, we sometimes forget just how powerfully God can use a single word of encouragement to lift somebody up, to build them up, to give them the hope and the strength and the faith to go on. Your words have power. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. It's part of the reason we talked about good gossip last week when you we were here. We talked all about good gossip, initiating and spreading good gossip. You know, the good things that we say about one another. We just start, start repeating it, start spreading that word because it brings life. It's good, it's healthy. Did you hear what Bob said about you? What? Can I quote you? Uh, <laughs> that's right. That was another thing we said a lot. You hear what Bob said about you? What did he say? He said that you're, he thinks you're the best at what you do. Wow, really? He said, yeah, sure did. Do you hear what Sally said about you? What? said you're one of the kindest and most considerate people she's ever met. Wow, really? Yeah, what she said. Thanks. That kind of stuff brings life. I mean, it puts a spring in your step when you hear that about yourself. One harsh word of criticism can take somebody down. And I will tell you this. I might be here today because of the helpful words of my senior pastor back then, back many, many years ago. Uh, Dr. Mark Rutland spent some time with me, and he continued to talk me through my own insecurities, my own inability. And he mentored me, and he was honest. He was honest as he helped me learn how to speak and teach. And he knew somehow, he knew just the right thing to say to encourage me, what I needed to hear to keep going. So we forget just how one word of encouragement, how God can use that word to build faith and hope to someone who really, really needs it. So I'm going to ask you this. What kind of person do you want to be? It's really two options. The first type is what I'm going to call a fault finder. A fault finder. This, I mean, quite honestly, friends, this is what most people are. Because of our fallen nature, we tend to look at what's wrong before we notice what's right. And those of you who are married, be really careful with this. Because it's so easy to be a fault finder. You can take a relatively good person and just cut the life right out of them even before you get to lunch. Do you have to walk that way? Why'd you have to say that? Are you going to wear that? I know you think that's hilarious, but it's not. (laughs) Speak up. Quiet down. I don't like your friends. You're working too much. Or why don't you work harder and make some more money? That TV show is dumb. I don't know why you like it. You never help out around the house. Swing and a miss on that casserole, honey. Some of you have nervous smiles on today because it's a little close to home. Then we rehearsed that critical spirit by, by criticizing other people behind their back. Their house is a little pretentious, isn't it? Why'd they pick that restaurant? That was awful. I can't believe the picture she posted on Instagram. She says she loves Jesus, but I think she loves her own body. But I, hey, I'm no, not judging. not judging. <laughs> Can you believe the way, the way their kids talk to them? Man, if they're going to raise their kids like that, they might as well put them in jail right now because those kids don't stand a chance. Man, Bob drives his car like Mr. Toad on acid. <laughs> you better take that Christian bumper sticker off his car because he's a bad witness. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's is so easy to be a fault finder, isn't it? That's easy. And if you're a fault finder, let me re- I'm going to remind you, you have a kindred spirit in the Pharisees. They were fault finders. That's exactly what they did. And you're not only like the Pharisees, you're little like the devil. Why is that? What is one of his names? One of his names is the accuser. The accuser. Accusing people before God day and night. What does he do? He finds fault. And he's good at it. That's what the Pharisees did. That's what the devil does. And unfortunately, it's what a lot of us do. Now, why do we do that? Why do we do it? There's a few really, really common reasons. I'm going to give you the most common. They are, For the most part, they are pride, insecurity, and ignorance. That's why we criticize other people. A lot of times we criticize because we're filled with pride. We feel like we know what's best, not just for our own lives, but for theirs too. That is prideful. Second, we criticize others because we are insecure. You know, we we accuse and we criticize other people for things that we actually have weaknesses in our own life about. It's weird, but it's true. There's a whole other message there for another day. The third reason is quite often because of ignorance. We just don't understand the situation. We very, very rarely have all the information about any given circumstance. So people criticize the school and they criticize the church and they criticize the management of the restaurant or the business or whatever. And they know nothing about how it works. Yet they criticize. It's a lot like before we had kids. Man, we could easily criticize parents all day long for how they couldn't control their two-year-old in a grocery store. We didn't even know yet that two-year-olds in a grocery store are basically terrorists. You don't know that until you have your own kids. And these poor parents can get like, I know this is bad parenting, but I just give up. I surrender. You can have the candy. Just shut up. Please. Please. I'll buy you a pony or a Porsche, whatever it takes. Just get in the car and stop embarrassing us. Please. So let's not judge or criticize others because we don't know what they're going through. We just don't know. The great theologian Elvis Presley said (laughs) don't criticize what you don't understand son you haven't walked in his shoes and that's true. We sometimes think that criticizing other people makes us look smart. Makes us like it shows that I'm an expert about something or I'm good at something. No it doesn't. It just shows that you're mean spirited. That's what it really shows. So ask yourself Have you ever met a critical person that you wanted to be just like? I haven't. You know, there's a verse in the Bible about this, and I hesitate to bring it up because you might criticize me for it. (laughs) And guys, listen. When I read this verse, just look forward. Don't elbow anybody. Don't you dare nod or say amen or your life is over, okay? Just keep your breathing normal. This is in God's hands now, okay? In Proverbs twenty-one, nineteen, it says, "It's better to live alone in the desert than with a quarrelsome, complaining wife." May God add His blessings to the reading of His word. There's not a verse like that about men, but there could be. Matter of fact, if I ever get to add a verse to the Bible, it would be something like this: It'd be first, chip seven, seven, and it would say,
0: <laughs> "It's better to
1: have bamboo shoots up your fingernails than to live with a man who constantly criticizes." and picks you apart. I've never met a critical person I wanted to be like, and neither have you. So again, do you want to be a fault finder? Do you want to be like that? you want someone who criticizes, picks people apart, and is a fault finder? Probably not. Thankfully, there's another option. You could be what I call a hope dealer, a hope dealer. That's hope with an H with an H. Just making sure I said hope dealer, okay? Anyone who's watching the Facebook Live in Colorado or California, hope with an H, okay? Don't eat the brownies, just say no to drugs, okay? Actually, just say no to drugs, say yes to drugs, doesn't matter. If you're talking to drugs, you're probably on drugs, okay? So. Romans 15:13 says this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with what? With hope by the power of the holy spirit and paul was a supreme hope dealer anytime he'd speak anytime that he'd write he wasn't going to tear people down he was going to build people up he was a serious hope dealer in fact listen to these words of hope that paul brings in just one chapter in his long letter to the romans just chapter eight he says these words of hope to us verse one there is no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus verse 26 The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Verse 28, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Verse 37, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. Verse 38, he says, neither death nor life, neither demons nor angels, neither powers of the present or the future, neither height nor depth, nor either anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's hope. That's hope. So, do you want to be a fault finder or a hope dealer? Pharisees were fault finders. The enemy of our soul is a fault finder. But Jesus, Jesus is the pillar of hope. You know, I love all the different metaphors about Jesus in the Bible. I love them. The Bible tells us that He's the bread of life, He's the living water, He's the good shepherd, He's the living vine. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the Alpha and the Omega. Let me tell you who else he is. 1 Timothy calls Jesus this. He says, Jesus is our hope. Our hope. Titus 2 calls Jesus the Blessed Hope. And 1 Peter calls Jesus the Living Hope. Friends, anybody, anybody can be a fault finder. Not everyone can be a hope dealer. But you can, I can. We have been given the spirit of God Almighty, so we have the choice. We have the, we have the power to choose hope. We can use our big fat mouths to be purveyors of hope rather than criticism. Joy instead of gloom. Light instead of darkness. And life instead of death. So I would tell you as your pastor and your friend, choose wisely. Fault finder or hope dealer. It's up to you. Well, you bow your hands, and we'll pray. We're grateful, Lord, for Your Word that lights our way, shows us the way to go, gives us hope, points us in the direction for life and godliness. So, Lord, I pray that You would take these words and that You would cause them to go deep into our soul. That, Lord, we might know You better and we might walk with You more closely. That we might be people who use our big fat mouth for hope and for life instead of criticism and darkness. So Lord, I pray that even in the next few moments as we use our voice to lift up your name, inhabit our praise. May we spend this time in your presence, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, for any uh, reason, really, we'll have a few of our friends in the back corner over here available to you. You want to talk and pray with them? They'll be available for you. Okay. Um, shoebox, shoebox, right back there. the thing, if you haven't grabbed yours yet, please grab some to take with you today. Sun is Sunday, the drop dead date. We've got to bring them back here this Sunday. So take the boxes this week. Bring them back, filled up, and we'll um, we'll usher them over to um, those folks for. Yeah. Thanks, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Go in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And remember, the God who came still comes, and the God who spoke still speaks. God bless you. Have a great day. you.